Have you ever wondered if humans are destroying crypto? Or if blockchain transactions should be reversible? And has Michael Saylor finally lost his mind? Well, you're in the right place because we're going to cover all of this right here, right now on The Cryptocracy. Welcome back, Cryptocrats. We are bringing you this week's topic episode or full-length episode or whatever you want to call it. We don't really we don't really have a name for this, do we? Yeah, we said we'd name it, and then we never did. And the full-length episode, I mean, what does that even mean? We just yeah. got through talking about, you know, cryptocurrency that was 12 minutes. Well, almost, sometimes we have, you know, quote-unquote full-length episodes that are shorter than some of our cryptocurrencies. You know, we shoot for 20 minutes on a full-length episode, and we usually end up somewhere around 30, 35. I feel like at the beginning we were hitting, like, 45 consistently, and then we've Well, that's because more. we were new to it, and I was just rambling on. Mm-hmm. Or maybe we had more to talk about. I, I don't maybe know. I don't know. Maybe we're running out of stuff to talk about. Yeah. So maybe, maybe this will be the last not, podcast. Yeah, we won't get into the Guinness Book of World Record for the longest running podcast with eight listeners. With eight listeners. Dang it. We got to keep going. I wonder who our competition is. Maybe we can. I know. Take them out. Could we do the podcast while walking on Legos? No. Ah, maybe. Uh, if you don't know what we're talking about and you think this is all foolishness, just go back and listen to one of our. Our 12-minute... Was it a 12-minute episode? It was 12, or, or yeah. Or yeah approximately. Somewhere in there, we talk about Guinness Book of World's Records and Bitcoin. And Legos. That's an inside joke. Eight people are laughing. The rest of you are like, what is this idiotic podcast about? All right. Well, with that intro... <laughs> um, sets us up perfectly <laughs> for, the for this episode. Mutable morons is what we are calling this topic episode mutable morons how human nature is destroying crypto uh for those of you that are here for the first time i'm sorry that was clickbait um we're going to get into this and we're we're not above using clickbait to get we're trying to get to that ninth listener Uh, we're trying to regain them if it's you we apologize but but please bear with us so there's a couple of things. Um, if any of you have listened to us for any length of time um, and you have an understanding of cryptocurrency and blockchain in general, the, the fundamentals of blockchain are that you have a, a chain of information that's chained together to where you can't change any of the information without basically breaking the blockchain. And we call that M or sorry, immutable, meaning mute, mutate, mutable. You can't change it it cannot be mutated it, it it will never change and stanford the geniuses at stanford are proposing a uh a protocol on the I, ther- I think it's immutable not immutable Im- immutable sorry i m m u immutable you cannot change things so uh stanford is has a proposal for get this an ethereum protocol that will allow you to change uh, transactions and before you run off screaming thinking that stanford's completely out of their mind i will point out that they they made it clear that this would be a a protocol that would be used by choice meaning that it wouldn't be the the base protocol that ethereum would continue to operate the same way um it's just that if you if you participated in a system that used the uh the mutable 
protocol, uh, it would allow for uh, the transaction to be uh, reversible if one of the parties uh, protested the transaction and it would then be uh, uh, arbitrated by a, a decentralized panel of judges and uh, how you create that decentralized panel of judges, I don't, I don't know. Um, but the, but the bottom line is their thought is, well, if something gets stolen and you capture it, you know, you, you catch it soon enough, you could dispute the transaction. A, a panel of judges could come in and look at it and say, oh yeah, you got hacked. And then basically give you back your, your Ethereum or, or whatever asset ERC 20 uh, token you were, you were trading or, or had, or had in your wallet. And it's it, it's a good idea, and I'm not saying that the idea is not without merit. And the fact that they're proposing that it could be, um, you know, voluntary voluntary that you participate using this protocol and in, in whatever um, application you may have on on this network, it just flies in the face of of the idea of of having a blockchain that that can never be changed. And yes, that comes with problems. And yes, people will get cryptocurrency uh, stolen from them. And yes, people will accidentally send uh, cryptocurrency to invalid wallet addresses and um, completely, basically burn uh, their cryptocurrency and never be able to get it back. But that's the price you pay for immutability. That's the price you pay for a, a token that has the ability to uh, go up in, in value. And that's a feature, not a, not a flaw. So... Um, the reason why I, I take issue with this is because it goes to show that there is a segment of, of society and human nature that cries out for every, um, sad thing that happens in life and wants a, a way to, um, get rid of it, to make sure that no one ever, uh, has any, has any sorrow on, on the blockchain. And while I applaud that thinking, and have had my own similar thoughts, like like where's the safeguards? What if I crypto Corium, makes a mistake and and uh, I lose my keys or I lose, uh, you know, send my crypto to a, the wrong address and and can never get it back? Um, I'm okay with that because that's what I signed up for when I got into this, and I double, triple, quadruple check the addresses that I send my crypto to, and if I'm lo- you if I am sending a large amount. I send a very small transaction first uh, to make sure I've got this correct and um, that the small transaction comes through and then I turn around and, and, and send the big uh, transaction using the same um, wallet address. In other words, I'm super careful. And yeah, there's been times when my fingers have started uh, sweating uh, because I was afraid to make a transfer for worry that I was making a mistake, but you get used to it and you learn how to, how to swim in, in deep waters. And um, there's apps that make it uh, a little easier and there's, um, you know, other people's QR codes that you can scan to make sure that you're getting the right address. I mean, we do it all the time with Venmo. Um, there's no reason why we can't do it with, with uh, cryptocurrency. And so I worry that this type of thinking might become pervasive and that the human nature to fix everything uh, that could go wrong uh, and compromise um the long-term value of, of the network, I think could, could easily creep in if, if we give it uh, any place. And I'm not saying that the people at, um, uh, uh, what is it? Stanford were, 
are, are dumb. They're, they're, they're certainly extremely bright. I just think it's a little bit mis- misguided. And this is not a protocol that I'd like to see implemented um, because I think it takes away from the from the feature of the blockchain, which is immutability. And um, in fact, that's one of the criticisms of Ethereum is that early, in the early days there was a theft and the network is small enough that they just voted to back the chain up and and rehash from a from a previous point that basically um threw away the 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 changes uh to get the get the cryptocurrency back and i i personally don't think that they should have done that yeah it's a a tricky thing because like you want to be able to like rectify mistakes of course but at the same time yeah no one wants a little old lady whose nephew gets her into crypto and then she sends her million dollars in life savings um to uh, you know a burner address and completely loses it because that's just ir- irreversible no no one wants to hear about that story but on the flip side of it no one wants the thousands of other uh, little old ladies who have their savings be eroded from inflation and wouldn't it be nice if they could have some sort of an investment vehicle in bitcoin um which I think will will soar over time, and when when the price becomes more stable and is, and is here to stay and won't and won't erode and, and be subject to inflation, wouldn't it be nice for those thousand other little old ladies to to be protected, if not more, if not more, and have a great income? And so the question is: is do you do you worry about the one who might uh, send her tokens to the wrong address versus the thousands? who stand to benefit from having stable stable currency. And it's a hard question um, because no one wants to see uh, something tragic happen to, to anyone's savings. But again, we're trying to build a, we're trying to build a system to free the masses. And along the way there, there will be a few people who make, make mistakes and, and pay heavy prices for it. And I just don't think you can have the one, which is a tamper proof currency um, and have the protection on the on the other hand. You, I think you have to choose one or the other. And, and when you choose the the route of protection and safety, um, then you usually give up some sort of freedom along the way. And that freedom is the freedom to have a, a stable currency and not have the government take control of it and erode it away by by printing more. Well said. So, I don't know. Do you think it'll go through, or what do you? Um, is the crypto you know, community any, pretty anyone, for this or so pretty against they, this? Or so they they created a, a proposal, um, and the proposal would have to be accepted and um, you know pulled into the into the next build, I guess, and then voted on. And if if it was voted, this the standard would go out. And the the so Ethereum is an ERC twenty token that comes from uh, Ethereum request for comment ERC. Uh, 20 so it was the ethereum request for comment 20 which created the standard for the for that token and the erc 721 um the, this standard would be erc 20r and erc 721r and i guess the r stands for reversible i i'm just guessing and making that up um and then i guess the the protocol will be optional to use and so yeah, they they could put it in there, and yeah, it could be optional. I just don't think it belongs in there at all, and probably, and and I I would vote no on this. Well, let's hope it doesn't happen. So on to more human nature. Yeah, let's talk about some more human. This is almost like a cryptocurrency. It we is. We have a couple. Well, okay. So I have to admit, this to is you, a full length cryptocurrency. Yeah, it it actually started out as a cryptocurrency as I was collecting stories, and then I noticed the 
I noticed that there were some similarities between them. And I said, you know, we need to address this in a more of a full length episode where, where we talk about um, human nature and how our desire to help people really in the end ends up, ends up causing more uh, damage than it, than it does good. And I'm not saying that I want little old ladies to lose their, their cryptocurrency and, and we could be cold and heartless about it. I think that you could set up organizations on the outside to help make sure that there is some sort of charity services to help people who do lose, lose everything. And I think that that's the compromise that society can come to that, that we need to have some form of welfare out there. And that's a, that's a bitter pill to swallow for the hardline uh, right. Um, but, but I think at the local level, not at the federal level, at the local level, um, you know, we are well suited uh, at the state, I think, to to have some sort of, of charity services. Um, and if you had strong currency where there was just massive amounts of wealth because the government wasn't, you know, eroding away your, your, uh, your savings, um, people would be able to fund these types of, of programs to, to help the people who did happen to send their cryptocurrency to the, to the wrong address or, or did get hacked and, and had things stolen. Uh, so don't, don't ruin the network that's generating the value uh, create other services to help people who, who might be harmed um, as a byproduct. This is my opinion. It doesn't mean that I'm right. Uh, obviously, I think I'm right, and I probably am right, but, you know, everyone's entitled to have their own their own opinion and thoughts on on this. So that's, that's Human Nature Story 1. All right. Human Nature Story 2. Hello, Tarot. So building the taproot of the world's financial network with Bitcoin. So tell us, how is human nature destroying crypto in this story? Yeah, this has got my got me scratching my head, and you're gonna have to follow uh, with me for a little bit as I as I take you through this narrative. Um, the next two stories really um, kind of highlight uh, th- this one aspect of it. Bitcoin maxis, and I'm I'm talking to the Max Kaisers of the world, to the Michael Saylors of the world, to um, you know, many of the of the people out there who are Bitcoin only and hate Ethereum and all other cryptocurrencies. And and I personally think hate blockchain uh, unless it's the Bitcoin uh, network. Um, you know, they're so so caught up in this. Uh, Bitcoin is the only pure form of money. And now they're all applauding um, the Lightning Network, which is not Bitcoin. It is a it is a separate application that runs on top of the of the Bitcoin uh, platform, but it is it is not a decentralized uh, system or a proof of work system in, in any stretch of the imagination. Um, it's literally things that they hate, but they love it because it makes Bitcoin work. And, and I want to back up and say this again: you, you've got a a a more decentralized platform controlled by fewer machines. Uh, more subject to uh, error and hacking, although I, I, I feel like the Lightning Network's pretty safe. Um, something that is not Bitcoin and secured by, you know, in and of itself by proof of work, um, running these these payments. And they applaud it and think, this is it, the, the Lightning Network, this is how Bitcoin's going to make it. But so you, the greatest currency ever created needs something else outside of itself um, to to make it work. And I think that's, that's hypocrisy. Um, if the if the Lightning Network has a reason to exist, then Ethereum has the same reason and, and right to exist as a something outside 
of Bitcoin that is that is viable. Um, yeah, it may be centralized, and yeah, there may be people that control it, but it's still a viable platform. It still has some some value. And no, it doesn't have all the merits of, of Bitcoin, but it does have a right to exist. Now, what they want to do, these geniuses, is they want to Bitcoinize the dollar. They want to put stable coins on the Bitcoin network. Now, I want you to think about this. They want to take fiat and move it onto the Bitcoin network. Why? They hate. Yeah, doesn't that defeat the whole purpose? They hate fiat. And I because because I don't blame a, a them. big draw of Bitcoin is to get away from fiat, is it not? Yes. So they're going to take the the one thing that could be manipulated, and I think that there's things that they could do to make it transparent to where you could see the wallet where the Bitcoin is locked up and see that it's the under underlying value underpinning these um, stable coins on the Bitcoin network. But the problem that you have is that as the dollar continues to get stronger, although lately it's it's started to weaken a little bit, but when the dollar is strong, Bitcoin's going to go down. And so you're not going to have parity with the uh, Bitcoin assets that you have backing the dollar. Um, the, the, the dollars will be more valuable than, than the Bitcoin that you could exchange it for, which will cause the dollars to lose their value. And so the idea that, that, you, can, it, that you can take a stable coin and just put it onto the Bitcoin network and back it by Bitcoin, that it's going to work great, uh, it, it's just not going to happen. It's, and I could be proven wrong. Maybe they've got some special way of making it happen, but I just don't believe that they that they do. And the way that stable coins work on something like the Ethereum network is people actually take dollars. Well, again, keep in mind whenever you're dealing with fiat, you will run into abuse and bad actors. And Tether is a perfect example. They lied. They said that every uh, Tether was backed up by one US dollar. Turned out that that wasn't true at all. Then they came out and said, well, it's not backed up by US dollars, but it's backed up by other cryptocurrencies that are equal to the value that's out there. And that's arguably true. But as uh, I pointed out just a minute ago, as the prices of these cryptocurrencies change and fiat and crypto move in different directions, then it's essentially not backed or it's over collateralized, which could cause you know fluctuations in the value of the of the dollar. And the only reason why people accept Tether as a dollar is because there's the mentality that Tether's worth a dollar. And not more or less, even though you'll see it fluctuate up or down, uh, you know, one or one or two cents. So the point that I'm getting at is this whole idea of introducing fiat into the Bitcoin network, when fiat is what we hate, I think sets up a situation where you could have some manipulation, you could have them print more uh, of these Bitcoin dollars, um, because the only thing that that could control it would be to back it by Bitcoin. But how do you are you know how do you how do you make that work? How do you make the values line up when Bitcoin is volatile and it trades between twenty thousand and fifteen thousand and then twenty five thousand? What's the collateral? Um, how's that working to to back those those dollars? And I personally think that that it's something that could be abused and could hurt the Bitcoin network far more than it helps us. Uh, helps it. We already have stable coins. Get over yourself. If you're going to deal with stable coins, then just go ahead and open up an account on an exchange and deal with it. You're talking about U.S. federal dollars, uh, uh, Federal Reserve notes. Um, if, if you're if you're dealing with dollars of any kind, you're having to pay taxes. You're having to report it. You have to have a bank account. 
You're not escaping the federal government in any way. The minute that you choose to use uh, Federal Reserve notes uh, means that you accept some part of the banking system. So just get over yourself and use the stable coins that are already there. Don't, um, in my opinion, uh, open up the potential for abuse on what is essentially the best uh, cryptocurrency in the world, uh, Bitcoin. And, and I will give you that, uh, Bitcoin Maxis. It is the best cryptocurrency out there. So why why are you running it? Why are you allowing it? Yeah, your- why are you making it like other cryptocurrencies yeah why why are you allowing so much better the human nature to get in there and to monkey around with something that works just fine uh because you think that you're going to make it better you're not again get over yourself use an exchange use the stable coins that are already there let's not muddy the waters any more than they already are or give the government an excuse to come in there and wreak havoc on you or audit you or do something. They'll pass some law that says, well, if you create a stable coin on this network, it gives us the right to audit every wallet and find out what you're doing with it. I mean, you're just opening the doors to, to problems. Just stop. Stop now. Yep. Listen to Crypto Curry. Crypto Curry. Crypto, crypto Curry. You must be hungry. I must be hungry for some curry. Um, all right. Well, let's talk about MicroStrategy now. Yeah, MicroStrategy. We uh, like to talk about them. We do. So again... Human nature getting all involved. Michael Saylor is one of the biggest Bitcoin maxis that ever existed on the face of the earth. Uh, led MicroStrategies to go out and purchase 130,000 Bitcoin. Um, people are laughing at him right now because the price is down and it's below his average uh, purchase price. Uh, I think, don't quote me on that if I'm wrong. Don't don't send me hate mail. Although there's only eight of you, so I, can, I guess I could handle eight uh, angry emails or tweets. But um, I'm pretty certain that he's underwater on it. People are laughing at him. I think he will get eventually will get the last laugh when Bitcoin's at a hundred thousand dollars and he's sitting on, I don't know what it is like thirteen billion dollars worth of of uh, cryptocurrency or whatever the number multiplies out to. But they're hiring. MicroStrategy is hiring software engineers to build on the Bitcoin Lightning network uh, to to add to the infrastructure. Why? What what on earth is going on over there, Michael Saylor? Um, one, MicroStrategies is not a Bitcoin company. It's not Micro Bitcoins. It's not MicroBlock. It's MicroStrategies. You're a competitor to Tableau, although Tableau's kicking your butt. Um, so I understand that you're trying to get into something else, and and Tableau will probably continue to dominate. Um, thank you, Salesforce. Uh, Salesforce is a monster. Um, wait, what does Salesforce have to do with Sa- Salesforce owns Tableau? Oh. I did not know that. I almost positive. I mean, I could be wrong. Let's just look it up. Um, uh, yeah, Salesforce owns Tableau. They also own Slack. Um, so t- you know, Tableau is going to continue to kick MicroStrategies, but particularly when their focus is on cryptocurrency and not on uh, delivering BI, the best BI tool in the world. So why are they out hiring, uh, uh, you know, blockchain engineers to work on the Lightning Network? Number one, again, if Bitcoin is the greatest thing ever created, why do you need a separate system to make it work? Why do you have to have software outside the Bitcoin network that rides in a layer two position, uh, just like thousands of projects do on Ethereum? Why do you need it to make it work? If Bitcoin is perfect and is is the, the greatest uh, God's gift to mankind in the form of the purest angelic uh, currency ever created why do you need some other software to make it work well it's because there's 
you they, know they want their cake and eat it yeah too. The, the things that make bitcoin awesome also make it difficult for it for it to, to do payments and i have no problem with the lightning network i just have a problem with the hypocrisy of of the bitcoin maxis who won't accept anything outside of bitcoin except for lightning because they absolutely need it in order to make bitcoin work and i think lightning undermines their their case of bitcoin as as perfection because it's not it's not perfection if you want it to be a currency that you can do fast payments with um so yeah lightning network is here i believe the night lightning network is great i have no problems with it i just have problems with hypocrisy and i've got to ask the question again the you know human nature is leaking into micro strategies which is a bi company um now getting involved in uh building onto the lightning infrastructure so i just don't don't know what's going on over there so that's it for our uh our episode um you know tune in next week and maybe we'll have another full length uh episode again um but yeah mutable morons how human nature is destroying crypto yeah don't be a hypocrite don't be a hypocrite and stay cryptic <laughs>